I want you to hit me as hard as you can. The year 2010 saw the release of several off-kilter superhero and comic book movies, like Kick-Ass, James Gunn's Super, The Losers, and, um, uh, Jonah Hex. Why don't you just say that to begin with? But more than a decade later, one adaptation seems to have stood the test of time better than most. Director Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Although, as many asked when it was first released, what genre is this? Is it a comic book film? A video game movie? Or simply an offbeat, romantic, comedy, musical, action movie with people who turn into coins when punched hard enough? Whatever you call it, at the time, audiences certainly did not show up to watch the 20-something slacker who literally fights to win the heart of a girl. Crank up the baits and find out what the fuck happened to this movie. Canadian writer and artist Brian Lee O'Malley began his career as a letterer and illustrator at comic publisher Oni Press on series like Hopeless Savages Ground Zero. He wanted to create a manga-style comic series marketed toward a younger crowd and found inspiration from the 1998 song Scott Pilgrim by the band Plum Tree. O'Malley said it was the lyric, I've liked you for a thousand years, that helped him figure out the story he wanted to tell in his Scott Pilgrim graphic novels. When O'Malley completed work on the first book in what would be a six-volume series, his publisher contacted producer Mark Platt to pitch a movie adaptation. At that time, O'Malley was less than thrilled about a proposed Hollywood adaptation of his work, as he feared they would turn it into some generic action movie with a lead actor he didn't like. But he also admitted that he was a starving artist and really needed the money. Universal bought the pitch and sent producers Adam Siegel and Jared LaBeouf to meet with the director of Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright. According to Wright, the producers cornered him after a screening in 2004 and insisted Scott Pilgrim would be his next movie. Wright was skeptical until the duo told him it was a cross between John Hughes and Kill Bill, which immediately got his attention. Wright responded to the themes of the book, like the metaphor of a young man's dating life being an actual battlefield, and the intersection of martial arts, music, video games, comic books, and comedy was right up his alley. At the time, Wright was preparing his next film, Hot Fuzz, so Scott Pilgrim had to be put on the back burner for a while, which actually gave O'Malley time to complete and release more volumes of the Scott Pilgrim graphic novel. Thanks for watching Joe Blow Videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like and subscribe, and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show! While Wright was occupied with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost fighting small-town crime, Scott Pilgrim's producers brought in writer Michael Bacall to assist. McCall and Wright were heavily influenced by Mario Bava's stylish 1968 comic movie Danger Diabolic, along with Russ Meyer's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and Brian De Palma's horror musical Phantom of the Paradise. While Wright and Bacall were hard at work on the Scott Pilgrim script, a writer's strike was looming in Hollywood, and they were forced to speed up their process. The pair handed in a final draft to the studio at 11.59 p.m. on November 4, 2007, one minute before the start of a writer's strike that lasted 100 days. While Wright was making hot fuzz, he would spend nights in his hotel room watching Arrested Development, and as he was working on the Scott Pilgrim script, the only person he could see playing the lead role was Michael Cera. He thought the actor was a perfect choice because he wasn't some chiseled Hollywood hunk, but more of a schlubby everyman who could play a self-involved character that audiences could still root for. However, Universal had a different idea. After the box office success of Knocked Up, they wanted Seth Rogen in the lead role. 
But Wright just couldn't picture it and was determined to have Sarah as the young Toronto rocker who has to defeat the seven evil exes of his new girlfriend. Ultimately, Universal agreed, and Sarah would get to play the character he describes as a lovable moron. Wright's keen eye for casting collected several actors before the release of their big breakthroughs, including Anna Kendrick, pre-Twilight, Aubrey Plaza, before Parks and Rec, Brie Larson, years before her Oscar win, and Chris Evans, before he became Marvel's first Avenger. Interestingly enough, Cap's best bud, Sebastian Stan, had auditioned to play the lead singer of Sex bob and Anna Kendrick's Twilight co-star, Robert Pattinson, read for the role of egotistical A-lister, Lucas Lee. Other major roles were filled by Kieran Culkin, Alison Pill, Mark Webber, Jason Schwartzman, Brandon Routh, and Canadian newcomer Ellen Wong as the Scott-obsessed high schooler, Knives Chow. Because of the lengthy planned production and some of the close character relationships, Wright made it a point to cast people who he thought would get along on set. He also did not want any British actors to further differentiate the movie from his previous work, but one slipped by him. London-born Satya Baba, who plays the first evil ex, Matthew Patel, used such a convincing American accent in his audition that Wright didn't even realize he was British until rehearsals. The big question was who would play the aloof object of Scott's affection, Ramona Flowers. That inspiration would happen when Wright visited his filmmaking friend Quentin Tarantino on the set of Death Proof. When Wright saw Mary Elizabeth Winston, he knew he had found his Ramona. Wright even added a close-up of Ramona's feet as a tongue-in-cheek nod to his director colleague and his famous fascination. Wright sensed that Universal was uneasy about his lack of experience directing big-budget studio movies, so he looked for a veteran cinematographer as a way to alleviate their concerns. This led to the hiring of Bill Pope, who had shot Army of Darkness, The Matrix Trilogy, and Spider-Man 2. Universal breathed a sigh of relief with someone behind the camera who could help steer the ambitious $85 million movie. Pope and Wright worked so well together, they reunited for The World's End and Baby Driver. Wright meticulously storyboarded the entire film and assembled animatics using O'Malley's artwork and stunt tests to try and help visualize the unique comic-style combat sequences. The costume designers also often used O'Malley's book as a style reference for the characters. Unlike many adaptations, the comic creator was heavily involved with the production, providing artwork and script input. Prior to filming, O'Malley gave each actor a list of 10 secret things about their characters to inform their performances, such as telling Aubrey Plaza that her character actually has an unrealized crush on Scott Pilgrim. Two months before filming started, the cast assembled in Toronto for music practice, physical conditioning, and fight choreography. Out of solidarity for his actors who hadn't done intense action before, Wright even joined them each day for training. For the movie's songs, composer Nigel Godrich also happened to be Beck's producer and suggested that Wright contact him for music. Wright was initially afraid that Beck might think it was beneath him, but was pleasantly surprised when the musician loved the idea and wrote 27 sample songs in a single weekend. Beck wanted to then polish the songs, but Wright felt the raw sound worked better for an amateur band like Sex bob -Ong. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World started filming in late March 2009, shooting entirely in Toronto, Canada. Ironically, the studio had considered shooting the movie in New York, standing in for Toronto, which utterly baffled Wright since the source material was so distinctly Toronto. 
the production even ended up filming at some of the actual Toronto locations O'Malley had originally used for photo reference, including Scott's first home and the castle where the Lucas Lee battle takes place. The producers would later say it was the biggest movie ever identifiably shot in Toronto, which is often used as a cost-effective stand-in for expensive locations like New York. Wright even cleverly acknowledges this in the Lucas Lee scene when a backdrop of New York is torn to reveal the Toronto skyline. During the shoot, Wright earned a curious nickname, the Blink Nazi. He wanted the movie to have the feel of a comic book with its expressive wide-eyed characters, so he asked all the performers to avoid blinking while cameras were rolling. He also cited a quote from Michael Caine, who once said that blinking in a close-up makes an actor look weak. Wright shot the movie as if it were a musical, noting that in a traditional musical, when emotion becomes too much for dialogue, the characters break out in song. In Scott Pilgrim, instead they would break out in a cartoonishly exaggerated brawl, each significantly different from the last. Writer Michael Bacall described the movie as a fightsicle. The wild battles were coordinated by the Jackie Chan stunt team's Penn Zhang and the great Brad Allen, who sadly passed away in 2021. Of course, despite all the precautions, the fights weren't always perfectly coordinated. For one particular scene, Michael Cera unintentionally whacked a stuntman in the mouth with a full-sized sword and knocked out two of his teeth, leading to a surreal moment for Wright and the stunt team searching through coins on a nightclub floor trying to find the man's missing chompers. After an exhausting and challenging five months of shooting, the film finished principal photography in August 2009. Wright showed an early cut to Quentin Tarantino, who had also given him pointers on filming fight scenes. Tarantino loved the movie, but suggested adding a full title sequence so the audience could get a feel for the characters and the eccentric style of film they were about to see. Wright then approached Richard Kenworthy of Shinola to design a sequence, describing what he wanted as 2001 meets Sesame Street, with visuals representing what Knives Chow experiences watching the band play. One late stage change was the movie's final scene. The shooting script was completed before O'Malley even started working on the last Scott Pilgrim book, and he was unsure how it would end. The movie was originally shot with Scott getting back with Knives, but O'Malley claimed that test audiences had been divided on which girl he should actually end up with. O'Malley personally felt that the filmed ending undermined Knives, and it was more appropriate that she move on. So a new scene was written and filmed just months before release to show Scott finally get together with Ramona. Buzz began to build in the lead-up to the film's release. Wright had posted regular online video diaries all through filming and post-production to increase awareness and excitement. His movies, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, had grown in popularity, and the prospect of the talented, genre-savvy filmmaker adapting comic material was thrilling. At that time, Wright's fan cred had been further boosted by his association with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even if that ultimately never came to pass. Shortly before its release, Scott Pilgrim had a massive presence at San Diego Comic-Con, including screenings that received enthusiastic response from attending audiences. A side-scrolling tie-in video game in the comic style would even hit consoles as the movie arrived in theaters. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World was released on August 13, 2010. Rather than evil exes, the movie had to face off against the Julia Roberts romance Eat, Pray, Love and the action star mashup The Expendables, along with Holdovers, The Other Guys, and Inception. Scott Pilgrim got smothered in the shuffle, opening in fifth place with just $10.6 million. That low opening weekend prompted an infamous tweet from Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane, Scott Pilgrim Zero, The World 2. Wright was annoyed at the cheap dig, but a producer reminded him that he had made the type of movie that would stand the test of time. 
Critics were more in tune with the film, praising its inventive visual effects, scene-stealing supporting cast, and even its use of onomatopoeia, which hadn't been seen in mainstream filmmaking since the 1960s Batman TV series. Some called it the best video game movie ever made, while others hailed it as one of the best comic adaptations. Despite the positive response from critics and the core audience, Scott Pilgrim would ultimately make less than $50 million worldwide, falling well short of its $85 million production budget. The movie's outlandish blend of genres had proven a promotional challenge, and the mishandled marketing was partly blamed for the movie's poor box office reception. But then, a few months later, the movie hit home video, and people began discovering this rare gem. Within a year, the home video sales had netted an extra $30 million. In the time since its box office failure, the movie's influence and cult following has grown exponentially, from colorful hairstyles and familiar quotes, You cocky cock! You'll pay for your crimes against humanity! to a belated appreciation from music critics. In a 10th anniversary interview with Entertainment Weekly, Wright stated how incredibly proud he is of the movie and its longevity, slyly noting that the magazine was not doing a 10th anniversary story on The Expendables. The Scott Pilgrim cast and crew reunited several times in 2020 for various 10-year retrospectives and even a virtual table read for the modern classic. The film was remastered for 4K Dolby Digital and Dolby Atmos Audio for a 10-year theatrical re-release, but like so many things, that was delayed several months due to the global pandemic. Even a special edition update of the award-winning video game, which had been unavailable for years, was re-released in 2021. And it's still not the end for Scott Pilgrim's story. Netflix is working with O'Malley on an animated adaptation in the style of his graphic novels. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is a film that has truly stood the test of time. A box office flop that could have been buried and forgotten forever, it was packed with actors that are now household names. As one producer told Wright when the film initially tanked, years, not days. And that prediction was ultimately correct. It had the potential to be just another standard action comedy, but in the hands of Edgar Wright and the creative team that surrounded him, something genuinely special was created. Let us know your thoughts. Leave a comment in the comments. And thanks for watching.